It's called White Women, Sleepless Nights, Big Nudes. <laughs> the Bill Wadman story. Hey, you know what this is? Uh, this is episode 61 of On Taking Pictures. That means that you have 60 chances to go listen again. It's true. If you if you need to get caught up, really. And I, I love these people who, who come and start listening to the show, and they're just like, I, I just started listening, so I haven't listened to all the pic, all the episodes, but perhaps you should discuss this. Yeah. It's like we, we probably have discussed it. but Maybe. Or then you get the really hardcore ones who are like, okay, I just started listening a week ago, and I'm already caught up. Yeah, I'm caught up, and... <laughs> I, w- I wish we had some sort of prize to give those people. I can't believe you guys are so lazy that you only do one a week. <laughs> Right, right, right. So, hey, this is on Taking Pictures. We're here every week. We're talking about photography, talking about art, science, inspiration, all kinds of stuff. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com. And with me over on the East Coast, Mr. Bill Wadman. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you? His fanciness. <laughs> yeah. Fancy. Hey, did you see that big moon the other night? Um, actually, the moon was the same size that it always is. Oh, for the love of God. Okay, Beekman. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. Um, you know, I don't have any long lenses, so I don't bother taking pictures of the moon because the longest lenses I have, the, the moon is like 100 pixels across. So, um, You know, I got a great shot of it with my iPhone. <laughs> <sighs> you, just, you just taunt me, don't you? That's what this is. The show is just like one big fun Jeffrey taunting Bill. Well, experience. you know what I did? I put it on a tripod so it'd be really still. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I have that new Track the Moon app, so it actually moves the iPhone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, so what do we got on the on the thing for today? The docket. The docket. What is a docket? I've heard that. It's or the cor- dais. It's a court thing. The dais. That's another one. Dais. Dais is a is a platform. I think. But go yes. ahead. What are we talking uh, about? You, you had something about Patton Oswalt and uh, not the Star Wars rant, but something else. What do you want? Do you want to start that? Well, yeah, I mean, we got sent in. I, you know, I don't have it with me right now, but Patton Oswalt wrote a uh, wrote a big, long, giant essay. And it is big, long and giant. I mean, it took me, you know, it's like 15 minute read. Um, well, me, because I'm a slow reader. Uh, all of, and one of the big sections about it, it's, it says it's called a closed letter to myself about the thievery, heckling and rape jokes. Um, and, and the part that's sort of appropriate here is, is the thievery part. And he talks about how, when he was early in his career, he was up on stage and he told some joke and it turns out it wasn't his joke. And he realized after the fact that he had actually heard it somewhere else, but it just sort of came to him on the stage and, and it killed, <clears throat> And how people in that he felt terrible about it, but that there are people now, comedians who will get up on stage and use now, now a relative term, even back in the day, there's comedians who get up on stage and steal other people's material and they'll be like, well, you know what? Like I got the gig and you didn't. So suck it. You know, don't, um, don't you think that's got to be a, a, a difficult, a difficult run anyway, because as a comic, you know, especially a comic coming up. You're doing, you know, 
little club dates all over the place. Don't you think it would get confusing as to what came out of you and what you maybe heard six months ago or a year ago? Or, oh, or, I'm sure or, it is. Yeah. It, yeah. It's got to be tough to, and that's to why keep track. So, some friend of his came up to him and was like, hey, you know, that's Joe Schmo's joke. And he's like, oh, of course it is. You know, that kind of thing. But then there's some people who like blatantly do it, you know. And mm-hmm. it got me thinking about the fact that in comedy, well, stand-up comedy most of the time, I mean, it, it's, it is very much like the visual arts where you come up with the idea and you do the execution and that's sort of it has your signature wrapped around it like a bow, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so, so somebody else telling your joke, that's a problem. Somebody else, I mean, I know some, write, some stand-up guys have writers that work with them and that kind of thing. And that's, that's different, you know, but like people who steal their stuff. So, but that in music, if somebody, if I do a song and somebody covers a song, covers my song and like, you know, I still get paid for it because that's the way that works. And also it's sort of a, a sign of respect that somebody covered your song, you know? Uh, but, but is it? I mean, or is it a, is it a sign of, hey, that song was really huge. If I cover it, maybe it'll be huge for me and I make money. Well, I mean, yeah. So there's, there's, there's the sort of hanger-ons, like vocalist kind of stuff. Sure, that happens. But, but I think that if, if your average rock musician who doesn't normally do covers gets up and does a cover, like there was, um, there was, uh, that, uh, what's his name? Who's the, who's the guy that I like that plays guitar? John Mayer. I was going to say Jose Feliciano, but uh, John Mayer, <laughs> nice on some live record recently, or a couple of years ago, did a cover of free fallen. Yeah. And it's like, okay, everyone knows that that's a Tom Petty song. And he's just like, no, I just really like this song. So I'm going to cover it, you know? So there's like that sort of mm-hmm. thing, you know, he doesn't, he obviously doesn't need to add a cover to his set to, right. in order right, to right, like, right. make sales, you know? Um, so anyway, it just it was just interesting that it doesn't really work that way. And and you said, you know, what what if if I took a picture of you with a pea coat on and real precise lighting on your face, is that an homage to Dan Winters? Is that a, you know, yeah? How is that going to get? How is it going to be received? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I would I would say, look, I'm going to try and and pay respect to Dan Winters or whatever. But is it going to be received that way, or is it going to be received as oh, this guy's ripping off Dan Winters? I mean, right. I guess it's, it's, it's the peacoat might be a little much, or maybe the toning is a little much, or, you know, at what point does it, does it cease to become an inspiration or an inspired homage and just a blatant ripoff? And we've seen this a lot, I think, oh, where, yeah. where it becomes the latter. And, and it doesn't always involve famous people. I have um, my friend Meg did a series years ago and it's certainly not a completely original series in the first place, but she had, I'll put them in the show notes. It's, it's called dumped and she Say that again. It's called what dumped dumped. Okay. Um, and she basically, uh, she poured food on people. Ah, okay. And so there's like this beautiful girl getting Pepto Bismol, like all different things, Pepto Bismol and milk and cereal and tar and feathers and used hot chocolate, tomato paste, coffee, you know, like basically they just people chose what they wanted to get poured on them. This is actually kind of cool. Yeah. So here's the thing, though, uh, about oh, what was it um, uh, that 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 year that it came out, 
some girl got into the PDN annual with an identical thing, including one where a pretty girl with big teeth gets Pepto-Bismol poured on her head. Oh, it's an wow. almost identical photo. Huh. And Meg's a friend of mine, and, and like it, you know, it pissed me off, and as it, you know, would piss anybody off in these situations, you know. Sure. Um, so I guess my point is that it doesn't always happen just to, you know, famous people. Little people steal stuff too, you know. Uh, no one well, bothers to steal it, my work, but it gets unnoticed. <laughs> I mean, it goes unnoticed. Yeah. You know, if 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 I rip off. You know, uh, like Dan Winters or or somebody that's that's in more in the public eye, it's going to get noticed. Whereas if I, you know, saw some random photograph on 500 pixels or or Flickr or whatever, uh, less likely to draw attention. Yes, true. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I I don't know where I stand on it because look, I I look at other people's pictures to get ideas for poses and lighting. I don't, well, isn't, isn't I don't that usually, kind of the, that's, that's the kind of the thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what you're told to do. Go, go, you know, go find somebody that, that, that work, whose work speaks to you and, and do likewise. Right. right? And, and I do, but I don't think that, um, I generally don't copy both the pose and the lighting at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll pull out ingredients from other people's work, but I'm not trying to copy other people's work. Um, and I think that that's where some people go wrong. Is it hard not to at some point? I know because you you both you you uh, keep a folder, and and I've I've done this for years as well. Keep a folder of inspiration. Yeah, and you get stuck, or you just you feel like something's not going the way you want it to. You go start looking through the inspiration folder, and and now through years of looking at this thing, a lot of it has to be subconscious at this point. A lot of a lot of it has to be sort of stored away in your in your mental idea bank. Uh, and, and you think, you know, much the same way maybe patented is, is you come up with something, you go, let's try this, let's try this. And then somebody sees it and goes, well, you know, that's, you know, that's just like Helmut Newton did, well, in, yeah. you know, 1950 or whatever. Well, there was that picture that I took years ago. in 2007. I took that picture of my friend Jessica Brinkworth, uh, in front of a monkey cage at, uh, at the zoo, mm-hmm. um, in, in central park. And you can see her in the reflection. You can see her and the reflection. She's looking in the window. And that later that year or the next year, or I think it was after mine, some famous guy did a picture of, um, what's her name from um, Vanilla Sky? Um, uh, Cruz. Um, uh, Penelope Cruz. Okay. Uh, it looking in a, <laughs> it's almost the identical photo, except it's like a dress in the window instead of monkeys. Huh. And people were like, look, you stole this picture. And I was like, actually, I think mine was first, but I never saw that picture before. So sometimes you get to the same place, you know, inadvertently. Yeah. And maybe he saw mine. Maybe he never saw mine. Maybe I saw his and forgot about it. Who knows? You know, it certainly I mean, it, wasn't it, intentional. It, it could be that photography sort of the entire, the entireness of photography builds on what came before it. Yes. Right. And there's this sort of almost collective memory that we all tap into at some point or share or draw from whether conscious of it or not. I, yeah. If, if you are conscious of it though, and you, hmm, if you were consciously stealing somebody else's stuff, that's one thing, mm-hmm. you know, 
if somebody made a picture of a girl giving birth in the back of a car and it's the exact same perspective angles and whatever is my picture, well, then you're copying my stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Are there other photographs of people giving birth in the back of a car? I'm sure there are. You know, I didn't do any research on it before I did mine. So maybe there's one just like mine, you know, that I didn't, I'm not, I'm unaware of. Um, it's odd that out of your whole body of work, that's, that's what you'd go to. Well, I just thought it was something sort of <laughs> absurd. <clears throat> um, I, I'll, I will tell you though that I tend to try to go back before photography and look for posy, poses and stuff in paintings more than mm-hmm. I do in photographs. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like painters only had one chance to get it right, as it were, you know, and they, you know, the, the old masters, they did lots of sketches of individual people that were going to be in the, in the painting studies on the way Joe Schmo turns his arm and the way his body shifts when he tilts his shoulders or whatever it is. Right. Sure. And, and sometimes I wonder if, um, I feel like in some ways that's a safer place to go, both because it's older and everyone's copying it equally. I don't feel bad about copying a pose out of a painting that's 600 years old. I feel, I'd feel worse than if I was copying a, a pose out of a Vogue magazine from last month. Okay. So painting is somehow in the, in the creative public domain. Yeah. Whereas yeah. maybe newer, newer images aren't. Yeah. Does that, does that make any sense? Sure. It makes sense. Um, I don't. You disagree. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on it. I mean, I know that, that, Look, at some point, you're influenced by something else that's visual, right? Whether that's painting or sculpture or, you know, uh, I mean, if, if I photograph somebody with uh, his hand on his chin in some sort of contemplative moment, am I ripping off Rodin or am I doing something spontaneous? Right. In that particular case, you're probably ripping off Rodin. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so that you, you heard it here. I'm, I'm, I'm either ripping off Rodin or I'm ripping off Dan Winters. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know what happens? I, you know, um, last week I went to a salon. You know that salon thing that I spoke at a few months this, ago. The the thing that Jay Mazel the thing that Jay started. Mazel does, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So Jay was there the other night, and and you know I said hi to him, whatever it is, and but the, the guys who were speaking were, um were two of the guys from the New York times. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, was it Fred Conrad and what's the other guy's name? Oh, these are the guys you sent me. Uh, Eric Heisler. Is it okay. Eric? Eric Heisler? Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, th- these guys have been, Heisler's been there for five, six years. And before that he was at the Rocky mountain news. You've seen some famous pictures of his, of, uh, uh a coffin that was coming back from the war and it was getting loaded onto a plane and there's people all in the window looking out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's seen these pictures. They, they were, they were big on like, you know, the big picture and that kind of stuff for a while. Right. And, um, uh, and then Conrad shoots tons of stuff for New York times. But one of the things that he did is like one of his assignments was that he had to shoot all the New York times commentator people. So the picture of Paul Krugman that gets used in the op-ed section is him. Right. And that particular picture, I just love, you know, um, and I've tried, I don't know how he toned it or exactly. 
I don't know, maybe his Octobox has extra diffusion panels in it or what have you, right? But I have tried a number of times to copy that picture and have been unsuccessful. (laughs) Mm. Because sometimes you see something you really like and you want to figure it out. Sometimes blatantly copying it is exactly what you need to do. Right. It does, you know, the, the picture that everyone loves on my portfolio of this, uh, of this girl, Rebecca Brown, like this black and white shot on a white background where she looks all exhausted. She like went running or whatever it is. And, and she looks really intense. Uh, this is the, the real high contrast kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With, yeah, with yeah. like the orange channel pulled back. So you yeah. like see her, like, um, you see her, uh, uh, freckles and that kind of stuff. Like I was trying to copy a photographer in France who was doing images of guys after the end of the tour de France, Hmm. which were black and white and which had that kind of look where, where like channels were pulled up and down so that it got really contrasty in their skin. Right. 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 Almost, uh, uh, what are they like dragonized? Uh, okay. you've got, you've got really high texture in the skin. You can see every pore and, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's more, yeah, exactly. And so I said, you know what? I want to figure out how he did that. And so I took this picture. I figured out how he did it and people liked the picture. Now, do I deserve no credit because I was actually trying to recreate an effect that somebody else got in their picture? Well, it's a different picture, you know? Uh, I, I don't know where that line exists. Do I have to put a, uh, inspired by so-and-so underneath it? You know? No, I don't think so. I don't um, know. If it, if it was this, if it was a guy, if, if, if this guy, if the other guy's picture had a guy with a bike on his shoulder with a cap looking a certain way, and I did that same exact thing with a woman and she had a bike on her shoulder and like, okay, then yeah. Mm-hmm. But because I'm using a similar technique as somebody else, you know, come on. There, you know? There's no need for an attribution. I don't think so. I okay. think that there's, you know, like, like Patton says in this, in this article, getting back to that is that he's just like, look, you know, I've, I had a whole thing about hot pockets. He said a whole joke about hot pockets. He said, and I, I, I didn't have a fully formulated idea and I got up on stage one night and I was messing around with it and you know, it didn't, it didn't, I didn't end up wrapping it up, but there were a few ha ha's in it, you know, like it, I, I wasn't satisfied with the, with the culmination of the whole bit, but you know, it had potential, whatever it is. And I got off stage and some guy said, Hey, have you ever heard Joe Schmo's bit on hot pockets? He's got a really good one. And hmm. he, and he said, and I went and listened to it and it was everything that I wanted mine to be as far as like funniness, you know, it wasn't the jokes that I was telling. I'd never heard the guy's thing. Right. You know, but, but in terms of structure and wrap up, that's that's what he was trying to get to. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, look, you know, there's only so many ways for a sexy hot woman to stand. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, th- there's only so many ways to to light somebody. You know, the, 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 not everything can be 100 percent original because nothing's original, as we've talked about a number of times. You know? Sure. Sure. Um, so I personally, I don't feel that guilty about it, but I don't know. So yeah, so the Pat Oswalt thing is interesting. Go read it. Uh, the copying other people's stuff is weird, uh, but I, you know, it just gets me back to Meg's stuff. It's like you know she she made this thing, and this other girl copied it blatantly, and got press out of it. You know, yeah. And it's kind of well, like you know you you made the comparison to the the other photo that's in the notes, the, this four panel thing. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, so people sent that to me this week. It's um, <clears throat> I think I put it in the show notes already. Yeah, it's, it's in the notes. Uh, would you believe this image is, an actu- is actually a single photo? It's a taxi thing by this guy named uh, Bella Borsati. Um, it's an it's a optical illusion for an uh, album called Terrain by VLP. So what it is is it's like uh, sort of a cyan, a blue... A uh, blue, green, and a red squares, sort of like one, two, three, four squares uh, on a on a you know quadrants on a on a square, and each one is sort of a different color tint. And you look at it, and it looks like it's it's a it's a, 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 a multiple photos that are just photoshopped together. When in reality, it was just sort of perfect alignment of all the objects in the photo, so that it looks like there are barriers that aren't there. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, it, it it the the objects in the photos create these natural right angles and borders of each of each square. Right. <clears throat> now, although I think there was some cleanup there. You think so? I think so. Maybe. Um anyway, so I'll I'll put this in the show notes and it's it's very impressive and it's very cool. And then there are behind the scenes images and a little video down the bottom so you can see what the actual setup was and, you know. And the thing is is that I there was a similar photo by a guy in the 1920s who did it was like I think it was more than four squares in the picture but it was I think it was a square picture whatever it is but it was maybe six or eight or ten or whatever and it was almost looked like a checkerboard mm-hmm. but in reality it was just that the things in the room were white and black and lined up just the right place basically it was this in a more primitive way you know black right. and white and whatever. And it was from the 1920s or the 19-teens. Like, now, does this guy know about that thing? He probably does. If he does stuff like this, it's probably, you know. But there's no mention. I, I can't find it. And I'm sure somebody who listens to the show will know what this is. So if you do, tweet us uh, at Bill Wadman or at Jeffrey Storis or send us podcast at, at Bill uh, or at, at ontakingpictures.com. But, like, there's no mention of it in this article. You know, mm-hmm. it could I do say, love the end result. I got to tell you that. Oh, it's beautiful. And the guy did it precise, you know, supremely well. Yeah. But but they're acting as if this has never been seen before. Right. You know, and it's like, well, it's been seen before. It's this is a very good execution of it. But this is not an original idea. You know, technical um, question. Yeah. Tilt shift lens to, <laughs> to deal with some of the distortion. Um, no, I mean, the. Probably not. Uh, it's probably just a long lens because you, you want to flatten that perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's probably shooting with like a 200 millimeter lens from 15 feet away. That's how I'd do it. Because you want to you get like that box in the front and the books in the back all sort of on the same plane. Right. And the only way you're going to do that is if, I mean, you stop down or whatever it is, but you also have to make it so it's flat enough. Otherwise, the stuff in the front would obviously be in front. Right. You know, right, right, right. That's how I would deal with it. Um, no, it's really well done. No, it is. But again, you know, I bet you if you asked this guy, he'd be like, oh, that's really cool. Hey, have you ever seen anything? He'd probably be like, oh, yeah, that's famous in the stuff that I do. You yeah. Know? You know, it's like, it's like, oh, you took this really great picture of George Washington Bridge. Have you ever seen the Margaret Burke White pictures? Yes, I've seen those, you know. Well, you know, that, that brings up kind of an interesting point about the, the relevancy of your influence. You know, this, this guy may not know the portraiture references that you would know, but he knows the still life or maybe even architectural references that maybe you're not aware of. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah. 
you know so you 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 sort of not only do you specialize in what you do or you focus on 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 a, your own particular genre but your 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 influence typically reflects your own specialization yeah yes i do believe so yeah like i you know? there's all kinds of architectural stuff that i don't know because mm-hmm. you know i don't know architectural stuff yeah it's not in your wheelhouse right but i know, know a whole lot about portrait photography right and but, I, I wonder. But there are plenty of people that I. Well, finish your thought. Well, I was just going to say. I, I wonder. Would it help stepping outside? Would 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 architecture and still life help inform better portraiture? Or would would uh, looking at at figurative work and and portraiture help to better inform this guy's still lives? I don't know. Well, I think that there's always sort of a well-rounded artist argument to be made in anything, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'm a rock musician, but every once in a while I play the blues and every once in a while I, you know, you know, Randy Rhodes used to pull in Bach references into his solos. You know, I mean, this is standard fare, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, I personally think it's a good thing. And I, and when I say that I don't know a lot of architectural stuff, I, I don't know as much as an architectural photographer would know, but I probably know more than some photographers would know. I meet photographers now who, you know, don't, you know, I think you and I on this show have a certain level of respect for the past. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, some would argue that we have too much of a, <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but, uh, but, but I, you know, some could say that we are, we are too backward looking and not forward looking enough. You and I. Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I, I don't either, but I, you could make that argument, but I know sure. other photographers who have no interest in looking at old photography, mm-hmm. have no interest in learning about old photographers, even though oftentimes those people it's sort of like how do, how do you know that you mm, if you're trying to do something new if you're looking at photography as an art and not just commerce if you're looking at just as commerce like hey man I don't really care about photography but like I take these pictures of babies and kids or whatever right. it is and right 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 that's how I make my living and that's how I do it that's good for you yeah nothing wrong with that but it, but if but if you're listening to this show that's probably not you right right um. And th- that that there are people out there who are are act as if they're doing it for artistic purposes, but don't seem to really care at all about what came before. And and I question how do you how do you know anything? I, there used to be back in the day when I back in the day when I was a musician, <laughs> when Jeffrey was still in his forties. Um, Wait, I, what? <laughs> Um, Let me turn this up. <laughs> you hearing aid or your headphones? <laughs> um, back when I back when I was a musician, I was a, I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Really? Yep. <laughs> we haven't you haven't talked about that before? Have I? <laughs> Have I talked about that a lot? No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Have you're I fine. actually? <laughs> no, I don't remember. Fine. No, you're fine. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, so, I, so hey, you know what's for the new people who just joined the joined the club. So I went to music school and I remember going there the first few years and, you know, you'd have music school. You have to take classes in harmony and counterpoint and write fugues and preludes and four part harmony and, you know, lots of Bach. And then because it's Berkeley, you know, you have to transcribe 
early uh, Miles Davis solos and you know what what have you that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of people who are electronic musicians and you know all this sort of modern stuff. And they're just like, I don't understand why I have to learn all the stupid box stuff. You know, they just it's like I don't play this kind of stuff. I don't know why this matters. And it's like, well, it matters because this informs first of all, it informs the art that you're trying to add to. Mm-hmm. You know. Like there there's a holistic thing that you're adding, you're you know, you're chewing it up and taking it out of your mouth and sticking it to the big giant ball of music. You sure. know. That in the end the ball gets bigger because of all of us adding to it. But, you know, the people who started all of this or the people in the generation before yours or the people last week um, made stuff that, 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 that keeps you from rehashing the same thing over and over and over again, you know, uh, or, or pushes you in a new direction or shows that that thing that you thought was really original is actually very commonplace, you know. Like sure. you, you have no frame of reference if you're if you're not aware of what came before, and I, and so I you know I feel the same, obviously the same way about all of this in photography and, you know, um, sh- sh- do, are there, I you went to more art school than I did, you know, mm-hmm. I never went to art school, so in some of the times when we talk about photographers or you know we talk about painters. Uh, you know, I, uh, when I went to, um, I mean, I, I know more about our history than your average bear probably. Um, maybe even your average human. Yeah. But I went to that, uh, impressionism and, and fashion exhibit and there was those paintings by that Tissot guy who for some reason had completely missed my radar. Yeah, until now. And, it's, and it's incredible work. Right. And so I was out to lunch with another friend of mine a few weeks ago. I was like, you know this guy Tiso? And he's like, yeah, of course. And I was like, I, whew, like had gone right over my head until that day. Right, right. You know? Well, and, and going back, it may, not, it may not seem relevant at the time, but you don't know where it's going to appear. You know, it just in, in doing this show, I find that since, since we started doing this show, I find that I spend much more time looking at older work. You know, I, I spend much more time looking at, you know, hundred plus year old photographers. Sure. The or, people you or, went to high school with. <laughs> <laughs> see, see what I did there? That was good. Dick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like people like, you know, when I mean, we've talked about this, Ache and Kertesz and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, and, and you don't think that, you know, oh, I'm never going to get to Paris. I'm never gonna have to worry about that. But then you find yourself at some little sort of artsy enclave of shops and galleries looking at reflections and you see them in a different way because you've seen this work. Yeah. And then you, and you also feel a connection the to the guy, to Ache, who saw those in the first place. And you go, oh. That's what he saw. Man, and, and if he was yeah. the first guy to really be doing this, he must have felt like he was a little crazy taking pictures like this. Right, right. And, and people looking at it, where's the subject? There's nothing in here. Yeah, exactly. What is this? It's just a window. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that there, there's, there's something beautiful about that, right? Absolutely. Um, and it's harder and harder to do. And I so, think, and I think that it adds to the humanity of the whole pursuit. Yeah, no, you know, the, the fact that that you are seeing that you are getting the same 
we can assume it's like, you know, if you drive a car 100 miles an hour and a guy 20 years ago drove a car 100 miles an hour, you have a, a shared experience, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the same way, is that like you see this and you go, oh, yeah, this is, must be how Ache felt when he was shooting those things, you know? Right, right. And there's something that, lovely I mean, about that. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that kind of the at least one of the sort of wonders of photography is that is that yes you're contributing to this shared experience but each time you put the camera to your face you're also sharing in that shared experience so there's it's it's one of the few hmm it's one of the few visual arts that gives you that sense of collective experience as immediately as it does true yeah. If you're a painter, yes, you can get that, but it's going to take you, you know, a, a week, a day, a six months, however long it takes to finish a painting. A photograph is immediate. Mm-hmm. And now, even more so with digital, where you can look at the back of the camera and go, oh, man, I got it. Yeah. No, absolutely. I don't know. It's, it's um, I, I think that it's, um, I think it's good to know where you came from. Sure. You know? I, you know, my brother-in-law uh, is big into uh, uh, um, what's it called um, genealogy. Mm-hmm. So he's done all kinds of research about our family, his family, and our family on, um, you know, ancestry.com and all those things. Like he's he's big into that stuff. So the other day, I was I know that my grandparents, what my grand my grandmother's family came from the Ukraine, but I couldn't remember their her maiden name. And Kevin, my brother in law, knew. Hmm. Right? He knew who my because <laughs> he's into that kind of stuff, right? And right. and to a certain extent, you know, I'll say this to like Heather, for example, is uh, is is uh, is Irish, right? And, and, you know, we make jokes about the fact that she's Irish sometimes, you know, and it's like this running joke, which is fine and silly. And, you know, she ribs me about other stuff. And I tend to there's a big part of me that tends to think, you know what, if, if your family's been here for three generations or whatever it is, do you really have any connection with Ireland or, you know, Italy or wherever else? Right. Like, you know, like it, if if you didn't know that's where you, that I came from the Ukraine, it would mean nothing to me because there's nothing left in me that is Ukrainian, right? You know, yeah, no, exactly. My and, my great grandparents came from France, right? But how does that in, how does that inform your life today? You know, not at all because exactly. everybody that I ever met came from Nebraska. <laughs> you know, right? So. Exactly. That that's my point. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think when it comes to art stuff, I think that there is. Uh, People think that they're going to get learn something from the fact that their ancestors came from some other or some other country, and I think in within your pursuit is a much closer thing than anything you're going to find in blood. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, me looking at photographers from four generations ago is going to inform my life much more than knowing something about my great grandparent from four generations ago. To me, in my opinion. Because it's what I've chosen to do. It's not just like what I was born to, you know. Um, so I think that like history is very important. I don't know. It's just it's just it's it's a good it's a good thing. I think it is a good thing, and I, I think a lot of times you can carry that history with you, and photographically, you know, I, my conversation with Randy Duchesne. Um, 
he's been working on this project for over 20 years, um, celebrating people in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Creativity and, and artisans and things like that that live in Brooklyn. And, but it's not just a celebration of those people. It's a celebration of the heritage that got them there. It's a celebration of their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents yes. that fought and scraped to come here. But, and right? it's, and it, well, it's also interesting because in a place like Brooklyn, I think the lineage is much more direct than, say, the lives that you and I have led. Sure. You know. Yeah. I would imagine a lot of people that live there can, can very accurately and very quickly say, well, my grandfather came here. Yeah. Great grandfather was here. Right. I you know, know because I, you know, my grandfather used to live with us and mm-hmm. he only spoke Italian. Right. You know, Gina Trapani grew up in uh, Brooklyn, you know, and she has a very Italian family, you know, and I'm sure that they have, they can go that direction, you know. Um, it's, it's, it, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and before I got into photography, though, I didn't know any of this, right? Mm-hmm. How would you? How am I supposed to know, you know, does your, does my mom know who Eugene Nache is? No, of course not. You know? Um, but that's okay. Cause I figured it out, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Um, and that's, that, and that's important to me. And that's, and I think that's why you and I do the photographer of the week every week. You know, it may be that you know who someone's, who our photographer of the week this week is already. And you know, his work and you're like, Oh yeah. How could they not know that person? It's like, well, you know, we knew that person, but maybe half the listeners don't know that person. And maybe that makes them think about their work in a different way. And this is all informing each other. Right. Well, and that's the thing is you don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah. I mean, put away, put away the commerce for a second. We're all in this together. Sure. We're all trying to make the world a better place through art. You know, it's like that, uh, the, the string quartet playing on the plane that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You know, it's like, that is why we do what we do. That is why, you know, we are not on this earth to buy BMWs, you know, (laughs) like we're on this earth to, to, to make stuff and, and have, have intimate experiences with other humans. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, all right. What's, where are we? We're about a half hour. in. Okay. So, you know, I wanted to talk about I want to talk about how good is good enough. Can we discuss that for a minute? Absolutely. Is there good enough? You know, there there's perfection sort of it's theoretical. Yeah, it doesn't exist, right? There's there's better than your best, which is probably the best you can ever hope for. You know, this is the best thing I've ever done. This new thing I've done is better than the best thing I've ever done. It's the new best thing. But okay, uh, here, okay. Remind me to come back to that because I have a question about that. Okay. Um, you know what? No, because I'll forget. I'm just going to do it now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know I will. It, it, when you when you get to that point of something before you that is better than your best, did you achieve it or did it happen? Uh, hmm. did, did you get it a hundred percent of the way there or did you get it 90 plus percent of the way there 
and happenstance threw it over the line. Yes. Uh, I would lean towards the second. Because, you know, I, I think if many, maybe even most people have experienced something in their lives that just, that, 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 that they did, that blew them away. That there's, you, you, when you sit and think about it, you go, there's no way I could have achieved this. There's no way I could have done this, whatever this is, yet there it sits. Or there it stands. Yeah. And you know, maybe every parent out there will feel that way. My kid, is, there's no way I should have been able to get such a great kid, but I did. Or whatever. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but at some point, my thought is that I, I've seen better than my best, but I don't think I've achieved better than my best. I think something else was in the mix that got me there. Um, I think that practice... The larger term practice, mm-hmm. not well. I guess ultimately, you know, when when you're a kid and you're you're taking piano lessons, and they say you have to go practice. Yeah, thank you, Suzuki. I, it's actually a misnomer, right? Because you're not going to practice. You're going to improve your practice is actually the correct way of use, using it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Practice, yeah, practice isn't a verb. It's a noun. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vincent Versace has this thing where he says, you know, it's, people say practice makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. You have, to, you have to become perfect at practicing before anything will improve. Yes, and and I and I so I think that in some ways, your your stretch, your um, your turbo boost that you're talking about mm-hmm. happens because you're ready to have it happen to you. And I don't think that it's anything. I don't think that it's anything that you need to feel you're uh, unworthy of. I think Wait, that so if, you, if it you happens, don't think you it's are beyond you. No, I think it's. I think that it's a natural extension of, 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 of your practice. I think it's what happens when you get better. Interesting. You know? Okay. I think it is. You know, I in evolutionary terms, you know, it's it's sort of the, it's it's the it's the random mutations that lead to something more complex. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. is it repeatable? Can you can you learn to repeat it or is there always going to be an element of chance? Yeah, I, 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 well, it's chaos, right? It's there. There's this sort of idea of entropy. There, there, there. That you you can't predict everything, right? It's not repeatable in the sense that you can't say today I'm going to make something that is the best thing I've ever made, guaranteed. You could strive for that, but you can't guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it happens to me all the time, but lately. You know, it's, you know, when you're working on a client's stuff, right? You can't spend an infinite amount of time on a client. You know, I take pictures of someone for a magazine. They say, okay, this is the select we're going to use. Go retouch that select for the cover or whatever. And I'll sit down and I'll start working on it. I could work on it for two hours. I could work on it for four hours. 
I probably could work on it for eight hours if I really wanted to. You know, getting pixel perfect. Sure. But each time, each iteration that you make, your hourly wage goes down. Your theoretical hourly wage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it goes right. down. So there's, there's, there's a limit, right, to how much time you can spend on this stuff. And, and you know, I, I keep going back and forth on, you know, how good do I actually have to make this? What, what, what amount of worth has this person paid for? Mm-hmm. It's a difficult question. Sure, because their worth is fighting against your signature. My rent. <laughs> no, yes, no, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, this is going to have my name on it. Yeah. So it has to be good enough to have my name on it, but it also can't be so good that I do nothing else this week because I can't afford to just do nothing else this week but work on this image. And right. I've got another thing to do, and I've got another job, or I've, you know. Right. And time you, to you've got to. You've got to pick and choose those things. I mean, if I, I don't even want to think about how many hours I've spent putting tweaks on faded and blurred, tweaking code, <laughs> tweaking images. You really? <laughs> I mean, it's it's an obsession, and it has right. been. And if it, if it was somebody else's website who hired you to work on it, there's no way you'd be doing all that. N- not even close. Is faded and blurred that much better for it? Uh. Probably, realistically, no. Theoretically, yes. Is there been a has there been a return on on all that time put in? No. But do I look at it without wanting to put a screwdriver in my temple? Yes. Yeah. So at a certain point, it's it's sort of. um, I mean, there's always the diminishing returns thing, right? Sure. 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 It's 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 a it's a lighter and lighter sandpaper to the point where you're just rubbing it with a chamois, thinking that it's going to get more polished. Right. 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 Um, and it, but it kind of, it, it, so I've been doing all this work lately and like some of it, I'm, I'm very happy with it, you know, is, is good and fine. And then other things that I've done lately, I, I just think are terrible, mm-hmm. terrible. Now, is that my depression talking? Probably. Uh, uh, there's probably some of that. Sure. Uh, is it true? Maybe, you know, are but, my but clients is- complaining? No. There is this this filter that you and I and and everybody who makes something looks at work through, whether it's personal work or or client based work. And the difficulty is the screen on your personal work is going to always be finer than it is on the commercial work. Um, perhaps and how, how do you reconcile those two things? Well, you know, I don't, I've decided that I don't like situations where I don't have any control. Wait, I, you, <laughs> I, you know, I, when you do group shots and you're outside and you're, you know what I mean? Those kinds of things mm-hmm. where there's. There's not you got only wind blowing, you got the sun, you've got Yeah, four people who all have to look right and oh, is is her shirt tucked in? I can't look at everybody's wardrobe and everyone's faces and everyone's hair, worry about the light, worry about the 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 composition of the shot, worry about whether or not a cop's going to come yell at me for sticking a light stand on the sidewalk. You can't so, do all that at once. So maybe at that point, that's where a stylist and a producer and yes. these, these people that you have been historically not against, but 
I'm fine with producers. <laughs> Usually I just can't <laughs> afford stylists. But yeah, yeah no, I under, that's, that's exactly where all that stuff comes in. But, mm-hmm. but, it, it, but lately, it's, you know, I've, been, I've been looking at my work and how do I put this without losing my mind? I feel like I'm going nowhere. Uh, well, look, we, you know, gosh, we've talked about this. Uh, at, I mean, this is one of the things we talk about offline is this idea of, of plateauing. And what do you do about it? What, what, what is the point where plateauing becomes stuck or becomes uh, intransigent? Yeah. Well, and, what, you know, and then, what if... And, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, what if, what if good enough, what if you're good enough isn't good enough to get you where you can see? You can, you can, you can see that next, <laughs> you can see that next island, but your boat will only get you halfway there. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is, is that when, I think the real problems arise when your clients are fine with your good enough and you're not fine with your good enough. And then you get to this point where it's like, well, why am I doing this anyway? If, if this isn't making me happy, mm-hmm. it's making my clients happy and they're, you know, giving me a check, which is great. But, you know, am, am I in this for the check or am I in this for self-satisfaction or some combination of the two? Is, is there a way to find... And this is going to break it down to, to maybe a little too simple, but is there a, a way to find more demanding clients? Is, is there a way to, to step up the client demand on your work so that you feel you have to rise beyond where you're at? Sure. And, but that also gets into the situation where you may bite off more than you could chew. Which, yeah, but what, what would you rather do? Would you rather... Biting hmm. off more than you can chew when, you know, somebody isn't paying is one thing. Right. You know, when somebody spends $10,000 and you can't come up with the goods for whatever reason, that's a whole other thing. You ever get up in front of somebody and start talking like a, a, a public speaking situation and you just sort of... You're normally fine. It's not that you're nervous. You just kind of choke. You just like your, br- your mind goes empty. Yes. I, uh, I used to teach Photoshop and there were days where I, I would get up to start my spiel and it was like, I've never even used the application. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and everything was a struggle. It's, you know, the, the, the command what's copy command P no, that's not right. it. I mean, I, yeah. you know, you, it's all this stuff that you should know or, or wait, how do you use the pen tool? Oh, that you know, happens all- in your seventies. So I can, <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right though. Right. That's, that's, it's, yeah. It's, when I first started, it was called glass plate shop. <laughs> uh, we have fun doing this show. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you know, I just, there was, there was a moment last night I was in a really bad mood, a very, very cranky mood. Like the, wait, this, this was on your shoot. No, this was last night at home. Okay. And I had a little bit of a mental breakdown Hmm. and I was on the edge of just saying, you know what? 
can't do it. Can't do what? Photography, I'm done. Seriously? Yeah, last night I was feeling that way. Wow. Um, like, I, this, it's just not going to happen the way I want it to happen, and uh, I, it's just, yeah. Which is a terrifying place to be for yeah. a number of reasons. I mean, first, there's the what else would I ever do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, secondly, there's the this is what you've spent years and years doing and you don't feel like you can cut it. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm actually in that situation, but it, it reminds it makes me think, could you imagine if you were, you know, uh, a sprinter in middle school and high school and college and you're like you're dreaming your entire life that you're going to get into the Olympics and you realize when you that you don't get into even the trials of the Olympics and you're just like, I'm just not good enough. Mm -hmm. that's got to be awful that's Um, just got to be just the worst feeling yeah uh, can i tell a quick story sure uh one of one of my oldest friends uh is uh in the entertainment industry uh writer producer director and has has done a ton of television um came out here uh to be an actor and we're going to, he's going to be a guest on, on in process coming up. Uh, so he'll, he'll tell the story and he tells it much better than I do. But I was, uh, I think the second person he met when he came out from Louisiana about 20 years ago and came out to be an actor, uh, had done, uh, was an actor in high school, was an actor in college, was in improv groups, had done theater, short films, came out to LA to, to, to make his, his mark. Right. And fast forward 20 years, I won't bore you with the whole thing, but it's not boring. Actually, it's a very good story, but fast forward 20 years, the acting thing never happened. Right. And this is all he ever wanted. This is all he trained for. This is all he thought about as a child. This, this was it. Why didn't it happen? Who knows? It would, he would get so close. He would get the third call back and then they'd go to some, they'd call, they'd, they'd go with somebody else. He would get, you know, right up to the point of shooting this, this project, whatever it was, and the funding would fall apart or, you know, any number of things. So what do you do? He's faced with, you know, I came out here to do this. What do I do? Now, for him, it turned around and, and opened up a new, a new sort of chapter in his life where he found success and satisfaction uh, on the other side of the camera, writing, directing, producing. But there's still, I mean, despite the things that he's done behind the camera, his first love, he will tell you, is still acting. And there's still this sort of dimly lit candle holding out that someday that's going to happen. That there will be this break, that, that some, at some point this will happen. But it's just he's been kicked in the teeth so many times about it. Yeah. It's like, well, what do you do? Do you give up completely? Do you, do you, do you, you know, embark on some other type of photography until, you know, you feel that your second wind for portraiture? I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and in some ways I feel like a Gomer even saying it because I am so blessed. I have clients, I have new clients. I'm taking, you know, I have opportunities. I'm shooting people that, you know, that I would love to meet. And 
that's all fine. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. could it be better in certain ways? Yes. Are there things that I want that I don't have? Yes. Not things, but you know, accomplishments. Um, and, and the difference between me and your actor friend is that I didn't want to do this as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were in a different, this is the decision. Together. This is the decision I made as an adult to sort of rebuild my life from scratch five years ago mm-hmm. into this mold, which is, which is scary in a different way. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, it's tough now, you know, I got it out. I cried a bit, you know, which yeah. you do sometimes. Uh, yeah. I just, I just hit a wall. And is this the most serious that it's been for you in, in the five years that you've been trying this? Um, one of the more serious. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and, you know, today I have to go meet with a bunch of people who are all very nice people, you know, one of whom it might end up being a great opportunity for me. So it's not like there's nothing going, it's not like I'm sitting alone in a room, you know? Right. You know, I had a shoot yesterday, I have a shoot tomorrow, you know, like it's, it's, um, but it's just this, it's this, this, this aching feeling like it's not, I'm not getting fast enough, fast enough. Yeah. You're limping. Yes. Yeah. You might, you might get to the finish line, but you're limping the last. Yeah. Like 500 yards. Something needs to change. Yeah. And I don't know if that something is the economy or, or, or the way I shoot or a new agent or, 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 you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something has to change because the way it's going is not where I want to be, you know, and I see people around me who are in similar situations like me or have gotten out of the business altogether. Cause you know, like your friend, they, it just wasn't happening. Yeah. Um, I, I refuse to be one of those people, you know, uh, and what, it, there's, but here's the thing. There's probably people listening to this show who are just like, what, what are you crazy? You're, there's people who consider me a great success just mm-hmm. as I'm sure a lot of the people that I consider great successes will look at people who are fancier than them and say that they're a great success. Right. You know, this is all, it's all relative. Right. Um, but you know, I, so I, I cried it out a little bit and then I put on shorts and I went to the gym and I rode for 10 minutes. Um, and I felt much better when I came back with a piece of carrot cake. that does make things better. (laughs) I I wonder if are, are these things and I, you know, you, you told me about this right before we started the show. So this is kind of a surprise. You know, I I didn't know that you, that you went through this. I, I wonder if things like this are like, you know, taking the lid off the pressure cooker. You spend so much time. Be, yeah. You spend so much time at that point, yeah. you know, of the thing just kind of bubbling away that you've, you've got to release that so that you can get the clarity to continue. Um, I think that that might be a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and, I know. you know, I, I know people who are much more successful um, business wise in photography. I know people who are much more successful artistic wise, but have no money. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's this, there's that, there's that spectrum. There's the people who don't have nearly the stuff that I have in the rest of my life, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. I still have a mother and a sister and I have a niece and a nephew and I have a partner that I love. And, you know, like I have all of those things when I know people who have like very successful, but they're miserable. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So, you know, there, there's, it's all relative, but, but man, when you get to that point and you feel like you hit rock bottom, it's bad, you know? Sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, other than to say that, like, it's, uh, you know, getting back to the original thought, how good is good enough? I feel like my my good enough is not good enough lately. That I need so to up my you, game. You, that I need to remove. I need to remove more variables. Um, I'm thinking of changing the way I shoot. Uh conceptually technically programmatically how do you mean uh i'm considering actually using a tripod and a wireless release to work with subjects to get out from in front of the camera yeah to to maybe engage with your subjects yeah even more uh-huh you know, you know who does that <sighs> that's right baby well, I'm I'm gonna have Gregory to hire Crudson. I'm gonna have to hire you to <laughs> to press the shutter for me because <laughs> my finger is just so tired, <laughs> so so tired. Uh, I, you know what i I think I think uh, that that is a great idea. I I think that that if nothing else, as an exercise, uh, I think this is a fantastic idea. Uh, you know what I did the other day trying something out? Double diffusion. So I had a soft box firing into a four by six diffusion panel, and then had like the person a, like on the a other scrim side of that. type thing on yeah, the front. Yeah. Okay. So I so I had I had a soft box shooting into a scrim onto the subject. Okay, that's so it's softer light. So what? Super soft light, like 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 pouring pouring milk on somebody's soft light. You know, hmm. um, maybe maybe could it be a gear thing? Could it be a could it be not not a gear thing for the sake of gear, but changing up your 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 kit to give you different variables and different outcome? Um, not for the sake of itself. You know, it's funny. I, you know, I, I use these, um, what are the bags? The crumpler bags? Crumpler. <laughs> what are the crumpler bags? That's what they're called, right? Crumpler, yeah, yeah. the Australian company. Sure. With a little bah! guy on them. Um, and last night while I was in my cranky haze, I was putting away my gear from earlier in the night and I go to unzip my bag and the zipper popped so that like one side of it came out. And I was just like, God, bleep, bleep. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> because it's like even this $300 bag that I bought <laughs> yeah, is breaking like, on me. Yeah. What else can go wrong? You're, you're already feeling like, what else can go wrong? Yeah, yeah. You know, and then your, your, your bag snaps. Totally, yeah. And so it's, there's this really frustrating, ugh. Now, you know? do, you, do, you, do you kind of even for a moment, go into the universe is against me mode. We're like, Oh, okay. I get it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not supposed to do this. Well, you know what? Look, it's a bell curve. It's the whole thing of, you know, when people pick stocks, you know, there's always going to be the guy who can't go wrong, even though he doesn't know anything more than anybody else. He's just lucky. Right. 
but on the opposite end of the spectrum, there's the guy who picks and will lose every time. Not because he doesn't, he's stupid just because, you know, you know, maybe, Hmm. I like this idea of getting out from behind the camera. I like the idea of, of changing up your <sighs> underwear. That too. Uh, your kit. Uh, I, I spoke to, you want to Carl- buy me a nice medium format? You know what? Uh, I was just going to say, I, I spoke to Carl Taylor over the weekend, uh, who I haven't talked to in a while. Um, and if you don't know Carl Taylor, it's Carl with a K, uh, carltaylor.co.uk. Fantastic uh, photographer, instructor as well. They just got back from Iceland. And he's, he's just upgraded his kit. I don't know if it's an upgrade. I guess it is. To all Broncolor gear. Okay. Uh, and one of the things that he what got. What was he using before? Uh, Allen Chrome. <laughs> okay. That's kind of like, okay, I'm going from an Audi to a BMW. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but one of the things he got was this, uh, they make this big uh, parabolic softbox. Yeah. Which you I know, guess is. You know who is, makes one of those? Who? Buff does. Cheap ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah different though. Uh, it, their, their PLM is not actually. This parabolic? Is like a, a, yeah. This is like a deep parabolic dish. Okay. Uh, I know of those, yes. Uh, but it, it, he was saying that it just. It's it's different. How you use it and and the results of it are different than what he was getting with the previous kit, and it's changing. He's experimenting with different ways of shooting. Okay. Um, and I I wonder if uh, to to draw a, a parallel of some sort, if you know whether it's using another diffusion panel or whether it's you know, daylight with scrims or whether just changing up how you approach it, n- not necessarily on a permanent basis, but to to allow something else to bubble up from this, you know, for, to the surface. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think I could also I think lately I've been too stuck shooting in studio, which I find far more constricting than shooting on location. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I find environmental portraiture tends to be much more satisfying for me. Um, now, when you when you say on location, do you mean indoors somewhere else, or do you want outdoor? Uh, either, I mean, indoors somewhere else is nice. Out outdoor is hard just because then you got to deal with the sun, mm-hmm. which is fine if you have a budget and a team. But you know, if you're a singular person, is not great. I mean, today I'm meeting up with a guy and I might have an opportunity to shoot in a very cool location. Uh, and so, you know, maybe that'll work out and it'll be a, a really, maybe that'll be the jump start that I need, you know, in my own head. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I have this great opportunity and oh, there's a little money involved. Okay, then we can, you know. I mean, at, at that, at the core, do you feel like this is, do you feel like these 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 hurdles are are mental, or do you feel like there really is a problem with the output quality of your work? Um, I think that they're largely mental. I think the average person doesn't wouldn't say that my quality of my output is bad. You know, it just hasn't gotten that much better in the past year or so, and that's what bothers me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that it's real problems. You know, I think that a lot of this is in my head. You could argue that things like last night, though, are are sort of the, you know, 
butterfly stages where, you know, it's like maybe I just pushed off this cracking chrysalis around me, you know, like, right, right. I felt stuck and I felt whatever. It's like, okay, well get rid of it, you know, shed it and move on. So maybe this is the beginning of the next phase and not, maybe it's not the end of the last phase. It's the beginning of the next phase. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's not the end of everything. It's the beginning of the next phase. Interesting. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. More to talk about it some other time. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about Shutterstock. We should talk about Shutterstock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was that was a quick change of gears. Yeah, it is. Too quick well, sometimes, for you? Sometimes you need to. I'm <laughs> still thinking about what... Again, we I haven't talked to you about this, so I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about what it what it would take to get you to that place last night. So we'll, we'll have to revisit that because okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been uh, without knowing all the details, I would argue that I've been in a very similar spot for the last several months. Okay. So well, then we anyway. will, we will bring it up again next week. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Shutterstock, Hey, you've heard us talk about this before. 25 million Think about that. 25 million, million yeah. uh, stock photos, illustrations, um, vectors. They have as many stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips as I made last year. <laughs> in in one hundredth of a cent. <laughs> yeah, they've got, they've got a lot of that. Uh, yeah, they're amazing. Look, go to Shutterstock.com. You'll oh, wait, find- what are we looking up today? Okay, me, wait, wait, okay, okay. Uh, uh, um, what have I done recently? Um, brownstone. You know, okay, can I just say There's what's lots really of brownstone re- buildings in, in New York City. You know that? Right. Okay, hand, hand to God, I was just thinking in my head, brownstone. You were? Swear to God. See, this is why we do the show together. Swear to God, I was just thinking. You know, brownstone. some people say that we're good because we think alike, and then other times we don't think alike. That's That's why we're good, because we're simpatico and yet we disagree yeah uh a thousand nearly a thousand results for a brownstone brooklyn brownstone let's let's narrow it down about a hundred hundred brown for something as specific as a brooklyn brownstone yeah yeah these people are not messing around that's i mean that just proves the global image collection they've got right you can find images from across the world to suit your project uh, they got image packs you can buy, just like you need an image, two images, three images, or better yet, a monthly subscription package. If you've got a need for, say, 25 images a day because you run a big blog, um, this is the, this is where you want to go. So you pay you know, a monthly subscription and you get 25 images a day. It's perfect. And you can choose whichever fits your need. You never have to compromise. Uh, so if you just need one image for a mock-up or a blog, that works. You know, little little FPO action. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time you go, there's something new cause they had 10,000 new images a day. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's cheap, uh, right? You can, you can do an enhanced license. So what does that get you? Uh, if you, this is merchandise. So if you want to do swag or you want to do prints, let's say you, 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 you see something, you go, God, that'd make a great print as part of X. Yeah. Uh, two images, 199 bucks wow. for, and you can, you can do over a quarter million runs with that. See, this is, this is, they're, they're, they're not messing around. And they've got an iPad app where you can go uh, make a light box and, and save stuff to a light box and share that with other people. 
people like the iPad because they can just flip things around like that. Um, and and you get the you get the high res. It's not like oh you're paying your seventeen dollars or buck ninety nine a month to get twenty five images and all you can get is six forty by four eighty file. No no no. <laughs> you don't nickel and dime me with high res images. You you need the high res. You go download the high res. It's fantastic. Right. Video uh, clips, same thing. Uh, yeah. Single clips start at nineteen dollars for web res, uh, all the way up to uh, seventy nine dollars for HD. See if there's a video clip of Central Park. Wait, you're kidding me, right? I just want to see. I want to see what they got. Um, and the best part about it is that it's not only photographs, right? They got vectors. They got icons. They ain't got infographic templates. They've got video clips of Central Park, for example. Uh, 1,400 uh, plus. 1,400 plus video Daytime, clips nighttime. Yeah, and see, the, let's say you needed something like this. You, you want to pull video of Central Park, you're going to need to get a permit. Mm-hmm. That's going to cost it's you money. PIA. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. I would imagine the permit would cost more than buying the clip. Oh, I'm sure it would. Yeah. And you have to go into town and fill out paperwork. It's a real pain in the neck. But the, look, not only that, but you get an, a dedicated account rep that'll answer any questions. They give you 24 hour support during the week. So those support reps, they don't sleep for five days. <laughs> <laughs> they got their BlackBerry on their chest, so when you write them at three in the morning asking about, they're like, "Oh," and they write Wait, you their, back. Their BlackBerry is, is it 1996 at, at the Shutterstock headquarters? <laughs> well, you know, I just imagine them with BlackBerry. They're emailing a lot. They don't. They need a physical keyboard. Look, go <laughs> go sign up for a free browse account. Go to Shutterstock.com. You don't need a credit card. Uh, when you decide to buy, find the images you like. Uh, use the offer code Pictures Six, and you'll get thirty percent off any package. And uh, we thank them very much for their support. Shutterstock.com, uh, picture six to get 30% off. I like this color thing. You can search for images by color. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff's cool. I remember when Google so it, first did that, and I was like, that's a really neat idea. It's amazing. I mean, if you're mocking up like a website or, or a, a promo or bumper yeah, or something. Or redesigning and- your, your photography thing that you work on over and over again. <laughs> I see what you did there. See. <laughs> hey, yeah yeah um all right so what do we what do we got we got uh we are what are we on oh wow we're we're wow we're we're going long but that's okay wait what are we at uh hour 20 okay let's why don't we why don't we skip the salon thing and... well we already i already kind of talked about that that's all i wanted okay. to really talk all right about. uh, uh a hey. things the, uh mike sakasagawa that's his name right yeah uh, we talked about his email last week about what is art and all the rest of it. Um, we asked him if we could share it. He said, you can't share it biatches because I've already put it on my blog. Yeah. So suck it. Yeah. So we're going to put that link in the, in the show notes. It's uh, <laughs> sake river.com slash blog. And I'm sure it's one of the more recent See, ones. I wish it would have been sake to me. <laughs> it's called art, the art world and on taking pictures. And, uh, we're going to put a link in the show notes. Uh, which will be at 5x5.tv slash OTP slash 61, where you can find the uh, the link straight to this article. But uh, go check it out. It's what we were talking about last week. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a very good read. Uh, also in the news, uh, which is not partic- directly photography related, but is related, is the fact that um, there's an article on The Verge the other day that I found. That And uh, I love The Verge. Yeah, they they do a good job. Seriously, it's one of my favorite sites. That Pixar has updated their renderer uh, to do ray tracing. 
which so here's the thing about 3D, and I'm gonna get this screwed up, and I'm sure Gary's gonna yell at me. Uh, but normally, like in most 3D uh, software, at least back in the day, uh, you model something, and if you say render it, it's not gonna look like anything because you haven't put any lights on it yet, right? And so you you have to set up a spotlight and you aim it at the thing and then you render it and okay there there's a spotlight on the thing but you can't see any of the stuff around it because there's no lights on any of that stuff, and at a certain point like in the early 2000s late 90s, uh, stuff started adding global illumination where it kind of gave you a baseline of illumination so that you could work on stuff and render without setting up a billion lights first before you like took a look at what you got. Right. Um, is that a fairly yeah, yeah, and you had yeah, you had global, you had, yeah, you okay. had that, you had radiosity, but it, but the, the thing that the, with it would only count a certain number of rays, right, reflected so, and refracted, so it wasn't really accurate. Right. I mean, it was accurate, but it, it, if you've ever seen early CG, it looks very early. It looks very primitive compared yeah. to what you see now. Go watch and, Toy Story one and come back to us. Um, right. Now, the thing that apparently one of the other things they add, not only do they add global illumination, which makes their life easier while they're building this stuff, but they actually are now fully ray tracing every frame. So if there's a light source in the in the in the uh, uh, there's a street light that is sort of yellow green and it bounces onto the guy who's blue and then bounces onto something else, the light that hits that something else will take on the blue on top of the yellow. You know, right. it's like right. the, the, the colors are changing as the light's bouncing around the scene, yeah. which is just crazy. They, they, they are literally mapping, like they say in the article, they're mapping every ray of light in a given scene. Yeah. yeah. Which is mind-numbing. Yeah, I mean, and if you would even, five if, yeah, years. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Ten years ago, if you told them that they were going to do this, they'd be like, "No, we're not. We, we we need to make sacrifices so that we can, you know, uh, actually uh, do this within the next decade and a half." Um, by the way, uh, my my nephew, who's turning three next week, uh, saw Monsters Inc. for the first time the other day. Uh, and they have since watched it like 53 times. He loves nice. it. Monsters, Inc. is a good movie. I, I'd say that Monsters, Inc. and Up are my two favorite Pixar movies. Yep. I would say that. That's good. Up makes me cry, but Monsters, Inc. is the most reliably like, you know, it's the most original idea that they've really had. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, wow, that's a really neat concept. And it's really well acted and, you know, Mike Wazowski. Yeah. And all that. Anyway, so I just think that it's fascinating that, look, these people who are doing things fake, right? They're, they're, they're rendering stuff from base elements are now getting to the point where they are ray tracing every frame and every, you know, beam of light in every frame. Just yeah. nuts. Apparently, it, each machine has 20 gigs. It has 20 gigs set off in RAM for each frame because each frame ends up being needs 20 gigs worth of stuff to fit it all in. It's and if you look at the difference, they do a nice side by side of of the rendering quality from Monsters Inc. to now the rendering quality with this new sort of global illumination renderer that they're yeah. using. Yeah, and it's yes, it's more realistic. It will be. I, I'm curious to see how audiences will react to it because it's not. There's a different aesthetic to it. 
You know, there's a quote here, a pull quote that they have here, which mm-hmm. goes back to a thing that I said a few weeks ago that got people pissed off. And the pull quote is, successful lighting is silent lighting. If you notice the light, you failed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like... Well, look, every, every Pixar film has, has is, is a, a test of some sort. Okay. Yes. Uh, Toy Story was was all about lighting. Uh, yep. Monsters Inc. was all about hair. Yep. Uh, you know they have. The Incredibles was all about getting people. Yeah. Uh, yep. There was water, fluid dynamics. Yep. So so each film at its core, and this is kind of interesting how they approach this. Is yes, its story is king, but the execution of that story is overcoming a technical hurdle. Yeah. So it's it's the science and the art all in one. Yeah, which, which is I, what I, I love think, about it. It's fantastic. And and you know what? Most successful franchise going. So they're doing something right. Yeah, except for cars. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about cars. Car, okay, cars Wait a minute. Like We're not the, allowed to talk about cars. Yeah, that's like the redheaded stepchild of, of Pixar's canon. Why do people? Yeah, it's weird. I don't even know why they made a second one. Uh, I think that had more to do with Disney than anything else. Oh, and Disney wanted because they they know. See, even if Cars wasn't a good movie, it didn't matter because ultimately uh, the 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 they're still going to sell merchandise. Sure, sure. And now they've got planes coming out, which is you know, is that really the next one? Yeah, <sighs> it's the uh, yeah. If 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 Cars was uh, was Top Gun, then then planes is Days of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> sort of the inverse. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're moving up, not moving down. Oh, that's silly. All right, what else we got? Anything else? Uh, oh, hey, uh, tell them about the T-shirts. Oh, right, right. Uh, yeah, there's been some, some – we've got – we found uh, a few of the Shut Up and Shoot T-shirts. Um, there's a few. What, do you have three T-shirts? No, we've got – Did you pull them out I, of your drawer? Yeah. <laughs> I washed them and pressed them. They're yeah. <laughs> um, no, we don't have many. We've got uh, about a dozen of each, uh, large and extra large. Uh, they will be at fadedandblurred.com slash t-shirt. Uh, 10 bucks, 250 shipping, U.S. only. Uh, sorry, international folks. Uh, but it, it just, it's too prohibitive to send them to the U.K. or to Ireland or something. It's like $45 yeah. to go USPS, uh, which is silly. I mean, if you really want it, I'll... Jeffrey, no one lives there anyway. So I'll, I'll right. send you the EPS and you can have it printed. It'll probably be cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. Some guy makes a million dollars off of your <laughs> <Right>? thing, too. <laughs> you know what we could do? What? Uh, we could... Put on uh, one of those sites that will print them? Yeah, put it up on Spreadshirt or something if you're yeah, really well, interested in international Well, people. we can ask if people need to. But let's see if we can... Uh, so if you're in the U.S. and you want a shirt... Ten bucks plus two fifty shipping, twelve fifty for a shirt. Yeah, uh, get them while they're hot. What's the address? Uh, it's it'll be fadedandblurred.com slash t shirt, and that's t dash shirt. Okay. Or hyphen, however you want to, you know. Right. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Our photographer of the week, right? I'll put, well, I'll put that in the show notes too. By the way. Okay. Um, our photographer of the week this week is. Who was that? That was the symbol. Oh, that was nice. Uh, Martin Parr. <laughs> <laughs> what? What is that? Guy doesn't recognize a rim shot? <laughs> no, I was waiting for you to say Martin Parr, but it's all right. Ah, okay. You said Martin Parr now. Uh, Martin uh, Parr is a... is a, a, a what Man, what is he? How do you... How, what would you say? I don't know how... I don't... He, you know, he's one of these guys... He, he, kind of like an 
old school photographer in that he takes pictures. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to preface this with I'm a celebrity photographer or a, you know, portrait photographer or a stills, you know, whatever. He just takes pictures that are interesting. And sometimes yeah. there are people and sometimes there are still lives and sometimes there are street yeah uh, but he doesn't he doesn't create photographs as much as he does finds them yeah much more documentary in nature yeah i mean he walks around with a camera and he shoots what he sees and that is i think a big part of of, of how he rolls yeah um he's he's you know he's one of those guys you know there's a great scene in um the uh, genius of photography series mm-hmm. where they're talking to martin parr and he's just like, he's a Magnum photographer, or at least was. I don't know if he is still. Um, and the way Magnum worked is that the, all the current members vote whether or not they're going to uh, accept a new member. And apparently his was the closest uh, in, in history, like the closest like vote that he got in by like one vote or something wow. like that. Because a lot of the guys said, you know, you're not you're just taking pictures of, you know, people eating hot dogs or whatever it is. Like this isn't that this is somehow not the kind of work we do here. You know, there was like a little bit of a judgment, I think. But, but isn't, isn't that, I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. Isn't that sort of what made people like Brasson famous? Yeah. Right. Which is, which is the irony of it. But for some reason, you know what I think it is? I think the, the work that, that Henri did. I called him Henri. I know. Uh, I think now, <laughs> because of the age, when he was doing it, and the subject matter that he was shooting had a supposed elegance. Elegance. Is elegance the wrong word? Civility? Romance? Yeah, I think that's maybe better. Civility is good. Romance? Perhaps? Uh that Martin Parr's work is much more modern, much more raw, mm-hmm. uh, in color. Yeah, you could make the case that that Parr's too, too work real? is yeah, it's almost utilitarian. Yeah, so it's it's it it toes that line where it looks like it could just be a pile of snapshots. I'm not saying that it is, but to somebody who's not looking at it the right way or isn't seeing what he's trying to see. It doesn't, it could look like not all that much. See, I, I find his stuff fascinating. I really do. I, I like it too, even though I generally don't like this kind of work. Um, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's like, I mean, he just walks around and he shoots regular people living regular lives is, is a lot of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is seen as, uncouth to the cool people i i wonder if that you just hit on something i wonder if that's it that there is a it's a celebration of normality yeah people don't like the normal yeah these are not extraordinary people these are not celebrities these are not you know they're not running into burning buildings they're it's it's just a it's a window into people's lives and there are some of the shots that are absolutely charming. Uh, there, there's one of a, a mother and daughter applying makeup to each other. Right. That, yeah, it's a mundane act. But there's something in this photograph, actually in the series, that sort of elevates it. Yeah. 
And he, I also, don't, he also does a number of things where he's got multiple people, like a foreground and a background that are all, all interesting, you know, that mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the picture? If you do a, if you do a Google image search for him and I'll, you know, I'll just do a Google image search and then add it to the show notes. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's got this, uh, great picture of, uh, all these people, <coughs> excuse me, doing the whole holding up the leaning tower of Pisa, but he takes it like out of, out, off to the side so that you can't. Here, I'll send it to you. Right, okay, so the tower is not lined up with them. Yeah, yeah, and it, it just it looks absurd, right? Because yeah. it's you know, I mean, so he does that kind of stuff. It's um, an '80s music video. Yeah, it kind of looks like an '80s music video. Yeah. Um, see, that's a neat idea, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's, I think, I think that he is, he's looking. Oftentimes, it feels like he's searching for the absurdity of the modern world. You know. Yeah, uh, I can see that. He, he's he's searching for the thing. He's trying to find the completely mundane and figure out a way to make it look like more than more than what it is. Right. You know? right. Or to show that it is more than what it is. There's that there's that famous picture of his where it's like a Brighton or whatever it is, where uh, it's a guy sunning himself like right next to the tracks of a giant bulldozer that happens ah, to be okay. parked okay. there. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. this one? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, 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 I mean, it's crazy, right? Like what the hell's the guy doing there? But you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. You know, um, that kind of stuff just cracks me up. Uh, and, and is nothing like I would ever, I mean, I guess if I walked by that, I would think, Oh, I wish I had shot that. Mm-hmm. But you know, it also looks to me like he doesn't do a lot of post. Like this is no no no. Well, he, I think he still shoots film, or he he did up until recently. This is it. Still, I, yeah. I'm. This is what I see. I want to show it to you the way I saw it, by and large. Yep. Uh, and I think there's something kind of cool about that. Yeah, and you know what? It's one of those things. Like it's sort of like it's sort of advanced street photography is what he's doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it's it's sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, and you know, what are you going to do? He also works. He also often has a ring light on the front of his camera. Uh, or, or like, you know, like the double flash, like the little macro flash things. Oh, right. Go around the lens. Yeah. Yeah. And then there, but then there's the ones that like, it's like a flash on either side of the lens. You know, it's like it clamps on the front of the lens, but it's just like a flash to the left and a flash to the right. Huh? Okay. Uh, doesn't look like it's, it's maybe just more of a fill than anything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He generally, he's just using it to fill the shadows stuff because he's walking around doing stuff that is not normal. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, or rather, you know, he 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 doesn't have any control, so he just has to shoot what he sees. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes that works out to be interesting. He does love the beaches, though. That's what I find fascinating. Yeah, but the, it's the details and, and British people on beaches too. Yeah, he he'll get details of people. Yeah, sure. I mean, yes, he loves the the full bodies, but interesting angles, interesting details. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, I like his stuff a lot, actually. So, uh, Martin Parr, go check him out. Um, if you don't know him already, uh, might give you a new perspective. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? No, I think we're good. Here's a picture of him using like a little tiny cannon power shot. I wonder if it's somebody else's and he's taking a picture of them with it. Oh, uh, I saw that holding it out in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. He looks very, he looks just as uncomfortable as everyone else who uses a camera like that. (laughs) That's amazing. <laughs> Sorry. That's good. Uh, 
Uh, anything else? No. Uh, podcast at On Taking Pictures if you want to get a hold of us or the, uh, the Google Plus community, which is going great. Uh, still amazing work being shared. Great feedback being given. Yeah, almost um, 500 people on there. New people all the time adding their stuff. And a lot of people are just like, I've been a lurker for the past few weeks, but I'm diving in. Yeah. So yeah, don't be, don't be afraid. Dive so go, go Google Plus, uh, search for On Taking Pictures, and you will find, uh, you will find it. Mm-hmm. And uh, add yourself. And then we, one of us has to accept you, either Jeffrey or I or Alan. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, we'll let you in. Don't worry. We're not, we're not judging you. Yeah, it's just to keep out kind of spam and stuff like that. Riffraff. <laughs> and um, <laughs> don't, no, 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 but we're totally going to let you in. <laughs> um, <laughs> we haven't had to kick anybody out, have we? Uh, no. No. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, uh, you said it. Podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Google Plus group search for Taking Pictures. Uh, I am at Bill Wadman. You are at Jeffrey Sidoris on Twitter. J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. And uh, if you're going to buy anything on Amazon, go to ontakingpictures.com over on the right-hand side. There's a yep. little Amazon link. Click that, and you'll, uh, you'll end up throwing a few pennies back to us, and it doesn't cost you anything. Hey, uh, also, if you haven't already, uh, go, I, uh, go, go listen to uh, my conversation with Randy Duchesne. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll put that again in the show notes. He, he's... Uh, can't say enough about him. Really interesting guy. Uh, very kinetic uh, or frenetic, maybe, uh, in the way that he approaches his, his passion of photography. I, I love talking to him. Um, or both of those things. Yeah, or both. Um, good guy. Uh, first so, in process. Go, go subscribe. It's a feed now, right? Yeah, it's up on iTunes now. Uh, I will add it again to the show notes. Uh, 5x5.tv slash OTP slash 61 to get you to the show notes. Yes. Uh, And uh, go buy a t-shirt. And we will talk to you next week. Yep. Have a good week. Try to make it right